Who Are They? Part 2. And I have a few questions about the peculiar story of the woman who was rescued in the Hawaiian forest. You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how are you today? I'm okay. Just okay? Just okay. I have three teenagers. Oh, wow. That's a lot of teenagers. (laughs) If anybody's listening as three teenagers, there is no doubt in my mind that person is saying... I understand exactly what she's saying. I can't believe that she's showing up for work. <laughs> like it's I mean, nightmare. that sounds easy, three teenagers, right? Um, not if you care about them. <laughs> I believe that I have discovered and coined the phrase screen-induced psychosis. Mm. So try, if you think your child doesn't have it, try limiting their screen time for the summer. See. Wow, that must that, you must have like a house of recovering addicts then. Is Dude, what it sounds t- like. I have a house that needs a deadbolt on my bedroom door so I can run in there and close it and not be uh pursued relentlessly till midnight to I mean, the limit is 6 hours a day. <laughs> That's the limit. That's eliciting uh like it's like I've used this expression before because it's happened before. I take their phones away, and it reminds me of when a friend of mine was telling me the story of when he was a kid, there there were bats in his attic. So the way to treat that is during the day when, or at night when the parents are gone, you plaster up the holes. So your your bat's full of, like, babies, but the parents aren't there. The parents will batter your house. It's a terrible experience, according to this kid. Batter your house. They will fly against the house trying to break the door down, the wall of your house down to get to the attic to get to their babies. So they don't realize they're never going to get through because it's made of wood. So they'll just pound on it, pound on it, pound on it until they die, I think. It was the impression I got. And you're sitting there not going in your house because they're they're doing that all night long. So they'll fly into the wall or fly... Trying to get to their babies? Yeah, like they know the babies are on the other side of the wall, but you plastered up the hole. Yeah. So they just batter themselves, and that's how I feel. <laughs> if I make the mistake of locking my door after turning off the data and Wi-Fi, <laughs> then I'm sitting there, and it's just like my door, and I'm looking. I'm like, how strong is this door? Like, I'm, it's not the side of a house, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway. That's it's, funny. I imagine – like I've seen people in a Starbucks before when – the internet has gone out because mm-hmm. of a storm or just other reasons. Sometimes you have to reset the router because it just you know stops working for whatever yeah, reason. Right. And it's pretty funny because there's it's very clear that the internet has gone out because you start seeing people at their tables just doing like kind of like suddenly they're pushing the keys a little bit harder. Maybe they're they're you know subtly banging on the desk, but you hear the the patters at every single table around the Starbucks. It's doing like, the same thing, and it just yeah, it gets increasingly more. People start Frantic. looking around. People's yeah. hands start getting thrown up in the air, kind of like someone cut them yeah. off in traffic. Like what's going? Is your internet out? Yeah. yeah. Is your internet out? What? Why? What? And they just keep pushing well, my the button. Son- with Down syndrome, has no self control, like in some ways, and he just he just rages. Yeah, it, it grows to rage if it doesn't yeah. get fixed quickly yeah, enough. And he doesn't understand it, so he hasn't asked me why his phone doesn't work. 
he's just like, I'll look over and his face will just be red. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, what's wrong with that it, kid? Right. It's like suddenly the air supply was cut off and people are frantically saying, we need air yes. right now. Yes. it's uh, And I was at the doctor's yesterday just and it was like a really long wait. So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And I looked around and, of course, everyone's had this experience. But these are all pregnant women. It was like a women's doctor. Everyone's pregnant women, a couple of guys with them. And the every single person was on a phone and their phones were resting on their bellies. And I just a couple oh, of friends yeah. of mine said, do you sleep with the phone next to your bed? Because I was like, at, um, went to Vegas for a day. And I said, yeah, so the phone is, and they're like, no, you can't do that. So I did a little research and a lot of the research on like phone damage on like how it's bad for you or bad for your kids or whatever is from like 2012, 2013. I just haven't seen anything new at all. It's like they're, yeah. they've gone radio silent. You can be an anti-phoner, you know, it's going to be the next tinfoil hat, <laughs> which a tinfoil hat would probably work. But it's, it says that you shouldn't do that. Or you should put it in airplane mode to keep the transceiver from, um, emitting electromagnetic radiation. Really? And I, I, yes, that's right. And then uh, my friends do not do it. It's like when my friend who was a cancer survivor told me never to put microwaves in hot, like not in your dishwasher, not in your microwave oven. I mean, pl- plastic. And I thought I had always thought that was just gobbledygook. She said, no, my doctor said never microwave anything in plastic. I think plastic is just bad for you. Gives you cancer, I guess, if it's hot. I don't yeah. know. So I was unaware of that, and I I, I really believe that there's going to be a thing uh, called screen-induced psychosis. They're not telling us, but that every single person. So I wonder they what the next They already have detox camps. Oh, that I know. That's very serious, actually. Like, very, I know kids have had to do that. Um, they have to go. It's like military boot camp or wilderness camp, therapeutic, boarding school, stuff like that. And I, and I'm, I mean, I've been, I'll, I'll make this joke about having teens and I'll, I, I, I've done it where I've said phone and I've not said phone and increasingly, if not now, a hundred percent of the time, if people have young teens, girls, they're in therapy, they're, um, have extreme conflict with their parents, it's, they're just in crisis and I attribute it basically entirely to the phones. And I found a research paper, pretty thorough research paper that said greater than one hour of social media a day leads to all these symptoms in teen girls, not in teen boys, but in teen girls, including depression, anxiety, uh, extreme insecurity, uh, other stuff that's like, seems very psychologically deep, but it comes from that. And then the boys, get extremely addicted to that dopamine hit from the gaming. But it's interactive stuff. Watching TV is not the same as social media or games or things that interact with you for some reason. That's where the trouble comes in. Yeah. Not to derail you, but that's what you're going to get for the next four or eight years or whatever when you ask me how I'm doing. Because I have a feeling this is not going anywhere. No, it's going to get worse. You know you can look on the phones and it will tell you how much screen time you've spent per day. So if you look at it, it's like you've spent 15 hours on your screen today or however it says it. But it – like your kids can look at it and it'll tell it'll tell them. Yeah, I can look at their phones. I, I let them have locks on their phones because I don't want them to get in trouble at school because that has happened before where they'll look at the phone and then look in the phone 
And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what they're saying. I'm not, but I, I should never have let, this is my advice. Anybody who has not given their kid a phone yet. Now, now when I gave my kids a phone like a year and a half ago, they, it didn't have it, but like now Apple has, it's called screen time and you can get reports and you can, you can block or allow app by app. You can put time limits on it. You can put a separate, you can do it across devices. So if you have a child with like his own iCloud account and it's a phone and a laptop, like it can count up their social media hours, for example, across the devices. And you can put a different code on a passcode on it. So their passcode is not the same as the passcode for screen time. So now they have a lot of these tools, but uh, they didn't like a year and a half ago. And my kids, it's very hard to put that genie back in the bottle. Yeah. I'm doing it. And the, as soon as those things are put in are place, they, they go to their them. friends and find out how to circumvent those. Things. So that's why what happened last night was I put those limits on. And one of my kids was like, I'm going to my friend's house till 11. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not. Like, and then it's like, the only reason I can tolerate your limits is because I'm just going to go to their house. It's like, yes, but <laughs> that's, that's not happening. You know, I mean, so now it's like, oh, what, what's with you and the rules? I'm like, but it's the same rule, you know? Yeah. So, oh yeah, I get, I get the challenges. I do get, and there was an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day about kids having burners, having burner phones. This is what they do. <laughs> This is what they do. They get like somebody they know has an old iPhone that doesn't work anymore yeah. in their house. And somebody took the SIM card out of or whatever. But if they bring it to your house, they can hook up to your Wi-Fi. Yeah. And use the Internet. Yeah. So these kids are getting their burner phones to keep from hitting those limits. Yeah. So don't, if you've got burner phones laying around or I don't know how you can detect if your friend got it from another friend i your daughter or child son got it from another friend i don't know anyway this is the world we live in it's gonna be worse with 5g no doubt yeah when you well i'll say this i said this a couple of times steve jobs did not let his kids have iphones and ipads he knew he knew what he was creating yeah and, they, and there's a lot of usefulness to it don't get me wrong but it is definitely People are going I, more I, and more addicted. We're cyborgs. Essentially. I realized that I, I, when I was on, when I was away for a few days, I realized I like turned off the phone and turned off like whatever, a lot of social media. And I realized that I do, I do it too. Like I'm always reaching for the phone and I think it's valid because I'm like, well, I'm just finding information. I'm just doing research for my show. I'm just keeping up on the news. I'm just keeping an eye on my kids. Yeah. But it's just absolutely constant, and I just decided not to do it anymore. Right. And I and it's better. I think it's better for my well-being. It's that impulse. Like, control, like we go to do yeah. – like we can do it 20 minutes from now all at once instead of doing things every every time it pops into our I'm head. I'm afraid you know? I'm going to forget to look up how many days it takes for Mars to – I'm guilty run, of that too. Go uh, around the right. sun. And I'm like, I don't need to know that about Mars. I'm like, but I could know that, and then I would know it. Yeah. I, I, right I, I now, do that a I lot. Remember. I'll huh? send myself voice messages reminding myself to to look at that stuff later. But Yeah, I put it in my calendar. And I've noticed if you're out walking a dog or something or just out walking around and you see other people and, and you hold your hand up to wave to people, people aren't even waving with their hands They're because their iPhone is in their hand. <laughs> 
So like, especially if they're walking a dog. Yeah, because they and, only have one hand. And they're flash. They're waving by flashing their iPhone up at you. It's like <laughs> somebody should create an app. It's like a digital hand. A hand. Yeah. So you just, yeah you hold your phone up. Well, digital hand waves. And it has to work though. If you just shake it, you can't have to yeah. touch it. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that that app might already exist for all we you know. You know what? You know what you can do is just make your home screen or your lock screen. The phone, the, the hand. The make it a, a a bird flipping people off. No. Make well, it depends if you like hi. the people you're seeing around. <laughs> it depends. depends on so your also think about that. If kids are spending, and they are, and I know podcasts do take up a lot of this, but I think for younger people, it's stuff like um, Snapchat that has the uh, – the chats disappear. Mm-hmm. They're spending up to like 12 hours a day on their screen. That is goldmine for advertisers who are der- targeting children and, that are going to go bother their parents. And data, of course. Absolutely data. There's no doubt about that. So. Anyway, so who are, who are who's behind all this, Finkley? Who's well, behind? We're, oh, we're, my gosh. I want to hear that clip. We never got to all the clips. I want to hear the clip about the ethical. We have to do it in an ethical way. Yes, we will. Can't, but first, I want to get something out of the way. No, I want to hear it now. We're, we're going to do that after <laughs> this kidding. because I have to get this hiker <laughs> thing out of the way. Immediate gratification because I'm uh, I'm uh, an iGen. Well, I'm not an iGen, but I I've been infected by iGen. We're all infected. We've all got uh, the cyborg disease a little have bit. Have that infection. So, what are we doing first? I just want to give – I have one clip I want to play, and I want to read you a couple of things I found. There was a woman who 17 days ago, she went to go – her name was Amanda something. I can't remember her last name. Amanda Ellers, and she's a 35-year-old yoga instructor who went to go take a walk in the Hawaiian forest, and she went missing. And they, they they couldn't find her for 17 days. She was stranded. Wow. And they ultimately they found her, but initially they had, they had found her car and they her keys. She had hidden her key in one of those like lock boxes under her car. She left her phone and everything in her she car. She left her phone. Yeah, she just went out into nature. When you hear her talk, she's very much like I'm in I I'm a nature person and she's I can a get that. Granola. I, I do what? She's like a granola, crunchy granola? Yes. And I, I can get that. I, she she seems like somebody who would um, do that, who would want to go Got walk around. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about it. I'm that person now. <laughs> right. But the more I listen to the story, the more I'm I'm just – it's I'm really perplexed by it, and I, I couldn't figure out why. My first question was, why is this a prominent headline? I'm, I'm glad they found her. I'm glad every, it was successful, but why do I keep – because – I didn't look into the story until after I was beaten over the head with it for like three days, Her, her, uh, them finding her. And they did a big press conference, and it was the main headline on CNN for like two days, for uh, parts of two days. And I'm, I was just so confused about why this was being shown to me. And, and there's always – if something's being promoted this much, there's – Multiple reasons for it, and I think there's going to be a balance sometimes. They want to, they do want to deliver good news to um, keep people from despair and keep people uppity and having hope. I, I do think that that is something that uh, the news occasionally serves because if you just hit people with despair all the time, then you're not going to be able to motivate people to take action when you want to really propagandize them. So there is a role That's for a positive good news. Yeah. Good point. Now this – Woman, the what the first thing that st- uh, stuck out to me is her, her press conference, and 
she had this they had this elaborate press conference for her at a hotel in Hawaii and it was like eight people that were sitting up there and the first person to speak was not her they were all outside it was her father and her father's very well spoken very every message that is being delivered from this group of people is a coordinated well thought out message. These are not people who just found their daughter and are like, oh, thank goodness. These are people who have very specific messages. And I was like, wow, this is somebody wrote this out. This is well spoken, but I still couldn't figure out what, what it was. I was just surprised that the first people that the father thanked was the national and local media. Whoa. And they that's did, what they did with the tornadoes. Really? They, yes, they did like, have a role. Why is this guy thanking the media? I see. That's insane. I can't. I didn't think. I mean, that was just like note to self. But keep going. I think that there is there is a place to thank the media because I, I've stories like this. If someone is missing and their family has the resources and they have the willingness and they have the the smarts to put on a strategic communication campaign, so they can get this and they can. Put this in the media. A lot of people say, well, they only cover certain people that are missing. Yes, but sometimes when people are missing, they're covered because their family put in a lot of money and resources to make sure that this stayed in the news. So that can happen with the right combination of skills and money and overall resources. So I can see thanking the media in that circumstance, but I can't see thanking the media before thanking all of the people who were involved in the effort for finding them. And that 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 was what was confusing to me because that actually never came from him. He never the, said thank you to the people who found he, him. No, he mentioned people who who worked on it, but like out of the gate, if someone finds your loved one, thank goodness to the people who who were on the ground. Specifically, the person to Johnny the fireman yelling out. Uh, there, and I, there are some specific people that we get to, but these people spoke for themselves, so they didn't have to be thanked by him because they were also in the press conference and the daughter. If, if someone finds you, if you've just been rescued, and everybody's going to react to things in, in different ways, I get that. But I, I just, it just seems like I'm so grateful for just everything and everybody who did whatever. And maybe she already did that before the press conference and she was worn out from it. But the first thing she started talking about was like spiritual journeys and how her inner voice led her down this path and and i'm just like how long after her rescue was the press conference do you know i think it was the next day it might have been the day of yeah like the parkland she's had multiple she's been making the media circuits is what's been going on so i'm confused about when the initial one was versus the one i think the one that i watched was the initial one but so that is why I started investigating it because it just seemed off to me, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But then somebody helped me out when I pulled up an interview with the guy who led the rescue team. See, the, the police department or the fire department called off the rescue, so a private rescue team – is what led this charge, and it was apparently really? a very well-organized, coordinated – it ended up being a very well-organized and coordinated search and rescue. Was that it a was, big company like Kraft? No, I can't find any company at all. That's I, the, Only the website that this guy is associated with is, de, is de, defunct now. It's not even really? online anymore. But this guy, though, is former military, 
And that's what I was wondering. Yes. If it was like so a his partner and everything you hear, every time you hear the story, you hear about how his military training was the reason why he had he, is the reason why he's a hero right now. And this guy is a great spokesperson. They're not telling us the, the full truth. Maybe they did save this woman, but there's definitely there's definitely some agenda being seized upon. At Maybe the very it's just least. an ad for the service. That that's the first thing that I thought. I said, "Is this a military recruitment?" Because yeah. this guy is being presented as a hero. He has great energy, and he's going on every news channel saying, "This is the best feeling in my life." And there's a video of him. He filmed himself down on the ground when they saved it, and he's just going, "Wow!" They're screaming and going crazy like they're having the best time in the world. So he, yeah, that's that's the first thing I thought. This guy is a great military recruitment example. You want to be a hero? You want to have fun? This guy's a hero. Go get trained by the military. But then I found something a little bit stronger, more evidence, and CNN helped us out. This is the guy who led – who was – yeah, he led the um, the rescue. His name is Javier Cantaloupe, and he's being – Cantaloupe. Yeah, he's being interviewed. That means you're not allowed to run away. No, really? Right? Cantaloupe? Oh, I, I don't know. I've never I'm just saying about it when way. my son who has Down syndrome runs away, they call it eloping. And really? This chick – did she elope? You know what I mean? It's just it's just a funny Well, the story's weird because when you when you hear some and I haven't gone through all of the full evidence of all of this stuff. I just now started diving into this last night. But it comes off as somebody who didn't want to be found. However, when you see her interviews, she she contradicts that. But when leading up to her being discovered before she was found, the story read to me as someone who didn't want to be found. Well, because she left her phone. And to leave your phone when you're going into uncharted territory is the stupidest thing you could do. Well, and all this stuff was like a lot of the data and stuff was removed from her phone. That, that's what made me think that. I get people leaving their phone somewhere if you think you know the forest. But like all the data was removed. People didn't know where she had gone. And, and that comes into play in a second when I'm going to read to you how they found her. But just listen to this guy. He's he's being asked what the takeaway is. Jose Cantaloupe. Javier Cantaloupe. Javier. What is the lesson here for for the rest of us and for hikers and for just humans? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. For hikers, let's start with the hike. Okay. For you hikers out there, let's make sure to maybe take a, a cell phone. You don't have to have it on. Okay. <laughs> but something that you can be able to communicate back with your friends and family with. Let's let your friends and family know where you're going and how long you plan on being out. If not, taking a buddy with you, right? Because mm -hmm. as you can tell, just like Gilligan's Island and Amanda Heller, a three-mile run <laughs> turned into a 16-day ordeal. You see where I'm going here? If you can track people who go off into off the grid into the forest who get lost, you can also track people who go off the grid because they don't want to get discovered. This is emphasizing here – Make sure you have your phone on you. And the broader context, definitely, this is a theme through this. Have your phone on you, on or off. We don't care because that's how we track you. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly Because when he said pushed. so you can call people, I was thinking, oh, that's not why. Right. So they can find you. You don't have to be able to call somebody. And I love that he said, oh, it can be off. I know. <laughs> I know. That was funny. Yeah, because it can be off. All right. Now I want to listen to you because there's so much here. All right, so her her father kind of – they did a GoFundMe, and they raised like almost $80,000, and 
For you know, some people are saying it's a GoFundMe scam, but if the money from, from GoFundMe is, was being used to f- uh, fund this rescue effort, then they, they, they did not get enough money to fund the rescue right. effort that they used. Her father works for or is maybe owns like a technology company, and I'm going to read to you a couple of a couple of things. I'm just going to read to you this passage. Initially, it was believed that the FBI was going to support police in getting the data from Amanda's car. Finally, members, uh, family members say that when it turned out the agency was not able to do that, um, the MPD, Maui Police Department, on their own initiative, found equipment and are in the process of extracting the information. Results are expected in time. John, her father, said the Maui Police Department and, volunte- and volunteers alike are faced with organizing and analyzing huge amounts of information. Now, these are private. This is her family and the people they've organized um, with a little bit of help from the police department. Huge amounts. Uh, they are faced with organizing huge amounts and analyzing huge amounts of information from which they need to glean intelligence. So in a joint effort, virtual a virtual data room has been set up in conjunction with the Maui Police Department where all information and data relating to the search for Amanda leads. Tips, videos, Facebook pages will all be cataloged, segmented, and analyzed and correlated. John sees his role in the search as facilitation, coordinating and being a liaison. But he actually has built his own GPS technology tracking company where his son, Chris, is in charge of the product development for the company. Ellers? Yeah. E-L-L-E-R. But, I mean, he he created a GPS tracking company while she was lost? No, he was already a <laughs> GPS tracking company. Yes, this is, this is like military GPS high-tech stuff we're talking. But listen, it gets better. Wait, so the chick who was rescued by private organizations... Uh, a thrown-together group of citizens... Including her father and people who were in the because military. Because the FBI was unwilling and unable to help. Yes. So it goes on to say. So we, we have a lot I mean, of skip- The FBI needs stuff like this to validate it. They love stuff like this. How else do you make American greed and forensic files if you don't have stuff that validates law enforcement? Yeah. That's what they live for. You know what I'm saying? They have to have this stuff. It makes it look like they're there for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The search team leaders were instrumental, and these are the military people, these two search team leaders, were instrumental in setting up the GPS and mapping systems used by the volunteers. BandQuest, that's one of the other leaders, found the applications they now use were instrumental in the initial setup. And when Chris arrived to help, he helped evolve the system into a more usable search tool. Now, Chris is the guy who started the GPS tracking company and whose daughter was lost and found. No, Chris is one of the military guys who headed up the search. John is the father. Okay. Who, what's the father's name? John. John uh, Eller. 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 Okay. I'm just going to read this. It kind of describes their effort. And this is, this was posted by one of the military guys on his Facebook page. We are still looking for surveillance footage throughout um, Maui. And the access roads leading both in and out. If you have a system, please quickly save all data. Um, After you saved it, let the police and our family know. Our goal in knocking on doors and gathering, watching footage is to free up the detectives so that they run the urgent investigation of Amanda's disappearance. Um, The police appear 
The police appear and downloaded the footage directly themselves. All the videos are being analyzed to identify time slices that include people and vehicles of interest in order to stitch the story together. Who else was uh, in the uh, Forest Reserve around the time when she arrived? When did she really get to the parking lot? Who else was there? Who left her? These are all questions officials hope to answer by analyzing the video data. It's a complex story to assemble from video footage. Wednesday saw over 50 search volunteers check in. Check in. Now, listen to this here. Um, the helicopter – like, where do you get a helicopter? I guess the 77,000 helps, but um, the helicopter is still utilizing the infrared FLIR forward-looking infrared and line-of-sight methodology. Thus, thus far, the search has utilized hundreds of hikers, about 10 drones, 25 repellers, a dozen divers, and 20 – and 20 drivers. I'm not sure what that is. We are going to start to put together bigger repelling teams and push some gulches that are further out. As we get access, we are going to be checking service roads, so they want access to service roads and trails. And further out, we're going to start flying drones to pre-run gulches that may leave people out. So they're flying drones all over this forest and town, really. And more importantly, if Amanda's stuck on a cliff, uh, that will enable us to find her. So if you are an FAA certified drone pilot, I have more for you to do. And then it goes on to say. So so far, though, it sounds to me, I mean, among other things, two things that stick out right away is, first of all, they're practicing or ensuring or whatever that they that there is not one place on Earth that they cannot see, which is what I think. Yes, trans- this is where that's where yeah. I'm going here. I'm trying to yeah. find the one. the Because there's transgender bathrooms are about that. Having no landscaping at schools, no niches, clear backpacks. It's all about not one iota of privacy. And it used to be called total information awareness. That is a government operation. The articles, the, the articles that I found. That point to an agenda to me is, is right. You got it. You nailed it. Is about new GPS mapping technology that enables them to basically get real time data. And if, this is an Internet of Things five G surveillance technology right. test. They're seeing how stuff. This is what they do. They practice. Yes, that's uh, that's what this reeks of. To operability. Me. Yes, and I, and I do want to say, it also reminds me of the Boston Marathon bombing where. They had whatever nine thousand law enforcement, including military, somehow like which I think violates Pazzi Comitatus, whatever. I don't know, maybe not, but <clears throat> uh, just just blanket the city, and they did not find the guy. That some civilian found the guy later, uh, you know, the Sarnaya, who was hiding. So they probably didn't. They probably found him and wanted the search to keep going, or they weren't really looking for him. But in any case. It softened up the citizenry for lockdown, martial law, shelter in place, uh, searching that people just know what to do. It's like what some can't remember what dystopian science fiction thing where they oh, oh, I think it was in Minority Report where the retinal scanning little um, insect robots they would crawl all over you, and if it was time for a retinal scan, like because they were searching for someone, you just had to stop whatever you were doing, like spooning out mac and cheese for your kid, whatever. They were in your house, and you stopped, and you just relaxed, and it looked in your eye to see if you were the person they were looking for, and then it kept going. But you just got used to these searches, and you got used to not resisting. Yeah, right. This is the part that really stuck out to me. Because there were a bunch of articles that were really emphasizing this technology that played such a major role. 
Live feeds of gra- of the gravel parking lots near Hunter's Trail, where Hel- Heller's car was discovered, are being used to gather a real-time view of the 2,000, two, 2,093-acre reserve. At the same time, volunteers are given GPS applications to compile a live map of the reserve. They come back to the base, upload the data, and five minutes later, it's on our live screen. Chris Burquist, one of the main search coordinators, and this is the military guy, reported to the Maui News. This has been a vital tool in gathering data for the ongoing search. Using grit points and pin drops on maps, GPS keeps track of the areas covered as well as those that still need gathering. And then her father, who implemented this technology, that so her father made this, is responsible for I guess he created or he owns the company that creates this technology. The technology that's being proven out by her disappearance, which the FBI would not pursue? Yes. Is oh, that what I'm we're supposed to be drinking? Yes. And he's thanking the media. I can guess why he's thanking the media. But this reminds me of the Kuwait ambassador's daughter with the babies in the incubator and stuff. Who would you get to do that? Your daughter. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. But here it goes on to say John Eller, the chief executive of te- of a telematics company, that's her father, introduced a search interface that allowed volunteers to log via their smartphones where they already looked. When they returned to camp, as the previous guy, guy said, they handed over their GPS data to coordinators, which then colored in swaths of a map and revealed which areas needed to be combed. Spirits were lifted when searchers glimpsed monitors and saw their efforts in real time. It was paired with data analysis of where the missing persons are often located. This was a massive – it's like Batman's and were, and basement. You're right. $80,000 would never cover that if yes. it weren't an appeal to emotion. Uh, That's how they got all the free volunteers. I'm trying to find it, but at the otherwise end, they would have had to make it a survival reality show game and given people the money. There like you go to test it out. That's a good point. And the way that the communication strategy has gone after the fact, it just seems like they're celebrating the success of a trial run of new technology. Right, and it has nothing to do with her and her dad. I can't find the quote in my notes right here, but her dad very clearly says in one of the interviews. That he was focused on – he was – like they were asking him about his daughter and about the story and stuff, and he he responds by saying the technology is great. We're going to scale this. We're really going to – we're really going to perfect it. This is exciting. He's talking like he just launched a new business, and everything went smooth, and now it's going to get even better, and they're going to scale it. And if your child is missing – Yes, and her dad's saying that. 16 days for 16 days. Think about that. Think about what you go through. Uh, on, yeah, you um, apparently he's like, okay, you know, I know this maybe this isn't the time, but this is a great opportunity for us to test that new technology we got in the works <laughs> to find our daughter, don't you think? Anyone who wants to invest in the stock can what, contact me directly. What a great reason to get people excited about finding our daughter. Investors And, of course, I mean, I would assume that they want government contracts. That's a great point right there. And they were working with 
the military, military yeah, guys, FBI, yeah, right Maui on. police. I really want to find that exact quote. That's how me. they get these contracts. I saw somebody building like this weird island in the middle of a road near my house. And I'm thinking, who the hell even thought of that? Like, this is a busy place. Who cares about that island? It's actually kind of annoying. And I, and I, I immediately was like, oh, the guy who builds, I, it was probably like a private contract. It, like, I doubt it was some, like, government-owned road worker or whatever. It was probably a private contractor who is always pushing things to the city. Oh, I could squeeze something in there. You just you have to create the market for your product, especially if your product is something that is primarily going to appeal to the military or like to gov- a government agent, not the military. Uh, yes, that sounds. I mean, I think that's so what they this can is. create customers. I'm just saying, like in the real world, you have to create customers by advertising. I think in the government world, you have to create customers by making stuff up that your man inside can tap the taxpayer for. And then however you pay them back. I mean, and, and the idea that they're not getting paid back, that we've, like, conquered corruption in Georgia, I can't tell you how many headlines have come up over the past couple of weeks of corruption in Georgia. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Like, the PTA yeah, yeah. person was arrested. The Mayor Bottoms had the airport is already on investigation. Kasim Reed was already on investigation. And before Bottoms even took office— she was tapping into the corruption at the airport. Yeah. She had a campaign person making, I think it was over $200,000 a year as the assistant manager of the airport. And I don't even know if she's ever even flown into that airport. You know, like there's, she wasn't doing anything and they're not even, they're just saying, well, it's unusual to do that before you take office. I'm like, isn't it unusual to have a job you're not qualified for and are not doing for 200 and something thousand dollars a year? Yeah. Keep going. He says, uh, and this is her father, Ellie's father said he would harness the lessons and technology to create software that could be utilized to find lost hikers in the future. And Burquest agreed it was a model that could be scaled up. We're going to make sure this is a well-oiled machine, he said, and doesn't take 15, 16 plus days to find someone next time. If you can find hikers lost in the deep forest, oh wait, this is that was my comment. <laughs> if you can find hikers lost in the deep forest, you can find people off the grid who don't want to be found. Absolutely, yes, and I think that's what Obamacare is for—that you can get in trouble for not registering. Yeah, and one other thing about that story is that in one of the interviews that one of the main the guy, one of the guys in the military, I think it might have been special forces, one of his interviews throughout the interview. He, about halfway through the interview, he's asked a question, and he's referencing how long she was lost. I, I had just dove into the story, and I knew that she was lost for 17 days or whatever. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, she was gone 13 days. And then, uh, like, it was real strange. It's like he forgot what he was supposed to be talking about. And or then a second later, he goes, 14, 15 days. So he said 13, 14, to 15, and then about three minutes later – he again references how long she's been lost, and he goes, man, I mean she was out there 16 days. And I'm like, so this guy has said four different day, days that she was lost. None of them are the correct one, yet everything else about this guy being said in the news, you would think that he knew how long she was missing down to the minute and second because he was just so on top of things. Yet he was 
very confused. Don't was... you think that's like in the same vein as them intentionally misspelling words in a story? It seemed or... very odd, yes. Yeah, or like Obama calling ISIS ISIL. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, why are you doing that? And Or like the Kate Steinle guy's name actually changed yes. so that you could no longer like conduct a de- – I can't remember. I used to know that guy's name. I was the only one who knew his name. I would say his name a thousand times. Everybody know who this guy is, and I can't remember either of his names now. Yeah. Yeah, I can't either because they're hard. I mean, they're the hard for us to remember. The first one was It was like Garcia Lopez or something. And, and, and the then his one, name became like – there's like no vowels in his new name. Well, Zarate something, but I don't really remember. It used to be – I knew the name so exactly. It was something easy like Jose Garcia Lopez. And even though that should be a really common name, you could search for it and it would come up on the docket in San Francisco. So I could keep uh, abreast of the case. But then I, I couldn't because I couldn't remember the old name or the new name anymore. It was the, It is like such a weird phenomenon that yeah. you cannot remember the details when when you can't latch on to the right one. Yeah. Yeah, the whole story is weird. I, I, I hope, you know... Love to see a good, a, a genuine good story. I'm glad that they found her. I I don't buy what we're being told. 35. It just did not. It just seemed. Now, I mean, thank the media. It just seemed so <laughs> peculiar the way they reacted after they found her to me. I'm just like, this doesn't. You know, I can't judge. I don't know how you feel in that situation, but that just doesn't seem right to me. I am doesn't sick of right. saying, well, people grieve in different ways, and. The people react differently. No, I can't accept that most of the time things don't seem right, including that answer like cases get cracked day one. Osama bin Laden did it. We don't need a we don't need a trial or anything like that. We know that that happened. There's no there was no investigation, no forensics, nothing. They just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they just overnight tell you exactly what's going on, start to finish. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And it, this is similar. So if yeah, the production if, value after the fact is what really struck me as odd. Oh yeah. The well, production value and the cast of because it's just like why do we need 40 people up there sitting to to comment on what happened? We don't need. Uh, we we usually hear from the victims whose parents are maybe standing beside them. Even actually, I was looking when that woman disappeared in Brooklyn, Iowa, or whatever, killed by probably an illegal immigrant or something. I can't remember. I was looking to see because her story of disappearing hit the news immediately. So I thought, well, when it hits the news immediately, I know there's going to be a punchline that's relevant to the news cycle. And so I looked and I said, well, are all, uh, disappearing women of that age and demographic does that make national news is it so it's like they fall people are people fall fall to their deaths all the time it's so common it was never reported before now all of a sudden it's reported all the time i'm telling you you're listening to this you're gonna find somebody's gonna fall to their death within the next week in your uh, that lives nowhere near you, you're still gonna get it in the news so i look to see if anybody else had disappeared at that time or in that way or whatever. And there was a woman who disappeared for a few days, maybe seven days, maybe 10 days in California, same demographic, like a white 20 something year old, whatever. And I don't remember it ever making national news. I didn't find national references to it. And she was found and 
and re- recovered safely. And that didn't make the news. Yeah. See, now that didn't make the news. And this one is – Right, and this probably the made the news before they found her. Oh, yeah. This was in the news. This was last Saturday during the show. This was the main headline on How CNN. How long had she been missing when it made the news? The first time I noticed it was last Saturday, so I guess 10 right. days, but it it'd probably been in there sooner than that. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. When you hear – when – I don't know. Maybe not, but it seems to me things hit the news that have a punchline ready-made that comes out later oh. and almost never hit the news if it's just resolved. Oh, she was just on vacation and her phone fell in the toilet. Now, speaking of punchlines, the leaders of the search team – the two guys, the military guys, are already searching for someone else who's lost in a Hawaiian forest using that brand new technology that they <laughs> just threw together to find this other woman, Amanda. So, yeah, you, look, if I'm ever lost in the woods, first of all, I probably wouldn't go. I don't really go into the woods, and I, I, if, if I'm if there's a a, a forest. That people get lost in frequently and get disoriented. I'm probably not going to go in that forest if I don't. And you're not probably not going to leave your phone behind. No. And you're probably not going to do that if your father is a professional GPS tracker. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. She had no GPS on her. They found her with GPS tracking, and she had no GPS on her. How that, did they? I mean, because, that's what helped them find her. Is, is because G- they had people scouring. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They had. They were able to track all. So can you imagine? I mean, this will be fantastic tools if you're trying to hunt down a fugitive. Every step you take, right. the the map instantly covers where you've been, and it and it sends you real time. I mean, that is a powerful tool to find someone. And if I'm ever missing, you know, I hope they use it to find me. If I'm ever off the grid because I don't want to be found, they can go f themselves. Maybe so. <laughs> is this part of it? Yes, right. Is is part of this that perhaps. Google Earth doesn't fully That's absorb a, every niche, every topographical nuance you know, that they need to send drones into gulches. That is great. I, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's they're trying to they're trying to spread around and they're trying to get they're trying to cut. We've talked before about how they don't want people off the grid. It, they're they're making sure that in elementary schools the 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 doorways are flush with the walls, so there are no niches. Yeah, th- this is like a super Google Earth, Google Earth 2.0 right, in real time. Google Earth, like four, four yeah, G, five G Google Earth. Th- that's G, that's like, probably what this is. This is probably we're probably looking at a five G Google Earth yeah. uh, model here. Maybe they're trying to figure out where to put their uh, little towers. Yeah, yeah. You never know. I think we might be onto something with that one. But um, I want to get to these clips we talked about because we promised them and. You know, I actually did some investigating into the curriculum. We we heard Richard Haas, the head of the CFR, which, by the way, people should know Richard Haas. He's in the media. He's one of the main people who was on Morning Joe on MSNBC almost every day. So we have someone who is uh, – this is like very Operation Mockingbird, Mockingbird-like except with members of these think tanks. They are mainstays as experts in – the mainstream media all the time. So they very much have a platform to Oh, that's so funny because Wilbur Ross is the Commerce Secretary, right? Do you, are you familiar with that name? Yes. He he established Rothschild Inc in New York, a company that bailed out Donald Trump at least once. 
And I was watching the moment that Rick Santelli, is that his name? You know that name? He's from... Rick Santorum? No, 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 not the politician. It's a guy who's on the trading floor on CNBC or whatever's on the... Not, I don't know, whatever. is on, It comes out of the trading floor. It could have been Fox Business News, but I don't think so. And in... So the de- he created the Tea Party. He said what we need... This was in the Obama era with high taxes and Obamacare and everything else coming up, not yet done. He said what this country needs, maybe it was right after Obama got elected, what this country needs is a new tea party to throw tea into the water in D.C. and and put a stop to this taxes or whatever. And as I was watching, they panned back. And I don't know if it was Maria Bartiromo, who's a member of the CFR, or anybody else. But is that crowd, that like uh, the business crowd, the stock market crowd on one of the 24-hour news cycles, and the guest on the show that day was Wilbur Ross. Just, just you know, the, uh, talking. Oh, like yeah? That. Yeah. And I just thought the Rothschilds were there at the birth of the Tea Party, you know? And I love the Tea Party. My mother's a Tea Party. But it got corrupted. I mean, when you had Marco Rubio and Chris Christie and even Sarah Palin, who there was a hidden clip of her in a church saying this war talking, I think about the Iraq war is from God. I mean, I was like, okay, that's not a tea party thing to say. I mean, it is now, but, but anyway, uh, I don't know. But like, I just find that sometimes these people who you think are just experts trying to tell you where to spend your money because they care about you. And, and all this show cares about is ratings. Dagnabbit is, it's just funny when you, when you, scratch the surface on these people they do not pass the sniff test yeah <laughs> i know that was a little bit of an aside but no it's relevant got it Look, i'm gonna go through these clips oh what i was gonna tell you i want to tease it because we're gonna get to it definitely next time if not a little bit this time but i investigated world 101 richard hoss during the cfr Great panel thinking. investigation thing he he talked about one of the ways to you know mind control the world basically is where we've created a course called World One Hundred One. Yeah, that was we played those clips, yeah. that clip in the last couple of shows. And I went to their World One Hundred One site, and they have a whole bunch of very interesting tools there. And if we have time, we'll read through some of them. But if not, then we'll definitely go in a deeper dive next week. But first, we're going to go through some more of these clips. From they, and last week we played some clips from a panel discussion at the Council on Foreign Relations, which was part of the 2019 Council on Councils, the most pretentious name in all of existence, which was held at the CFR. And that's another interesting website where you find a bunch of uh, people trying to figure out how to dominate the world. And we played some clips from a Brookings discussion, and these clips kind of give some insights into the way that these People who run the think tanks and try to influence, propagandize the public think and act. So the first one I want to play here is Richard Haas. Is it Haas or Haas? I, guess, I think it's Haas, right? Richard Haas. I would never say Haas, Haas. but it could be. It could be. I think it's Richard Haas. All right, so Haas, th- this, is his, like this is him talking about the need to question first order issues. And I want to see what pops into your head when you hear this. Hold on. What's a first order issue? A first order issue is like basic assumptions that are no longer questioned. Yeah. Understood. So that's one thing. Second of all, for all of us, I think related to that is the challenge of not assuming anything. 
I mean, you, you can get up in the morning and assume that NATO and alliances and free trade are all good things. But then you have to realize that you're operating in a political environment now where many people do not. So I think for a lot of us in this business, part of the challenge of this time is to question, not embrace or assume first order uh, issues. And that things that we thought were settled, one of the lessons I take of the last few years, that's accelerated in the last two years, is that much less is settled, much less can be assumed. And rather than simply saying this should be our policy towards this or that agreement, you may have to take a step back and explain the fundamentals uh, about why that is the, uh, why that is uh, uh, so. What are your thoughts on that? I have my thoughts. I'm curious. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on that. A lot, a lot, a lot. Is of he thoughts. talking about con- the Constitution? Oh, I don't know. He doesn't well, we're elaborate. We're going to have to listen to it again in a second. I'll tell you what I think, and then I want to hear that again. I'll think of it okay. in a different way. So, for me, what he is talking about a lot of conspiracy people are called conspiracy theorists when, in fact, all they are doing, all they are doing is identifying and questioning first order assumptions. And that's what I have a real knack for doing. And I was listening to podcasts where they do that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. I didn't think that. They don't say that they do that. That's not what they even think that they do. But the moment I realized that that's all they were doing, I could no longer listen to those podcasts. Because it was too easy. Once you figure out how somebody's thinking, everything becomes formulaic. It's why why I lose interest in a lot of radio shows. You can listen to some brilliant guy – Never know what he's going to say. Of course, we're not formulaic, though, so we will no, always I'm, keep you guessing. I guard Listeners. against it. Yeah, I yeah, guard against yeah. that. And <laughs> also, we have information, so we actually have real information. We Most radio shows are reading the newspaper and either figuring it out for you and putting it in simple terms, or they're um, analyzing it in a way that you hadn't thought of before. And yeah. I don't need anybody to do either of those things. But what we do is we you bring that great stuff. I do research, too. And so, and connect dots and all that stuff that people don't do themselves, information they don't have. But a lot of times, if you figure out the formula of what somebody's doing and you're reading the newspaper yourself, you don't need to waste your time with them. And that's what I what I realized about some of some of the wh- who are called conspiracy theorists, but they are not conspiracy. Well, the conspiracy would be. Uh, somebody made up dinosaurs. The question is, do dinosaurs? You assume that dinosaurs exist. You believe that dinosaurs exist. Why? Because you've seen them. Well, you haven't really seen them. You've seen clay things that look like them or you see bones that are told are them. And so that people would have to conspire against, would have to conspire in this lie. Not a lot of people, not just a few people. And, and so when you're getting down to, like I, I, this whole idea came to me or somebody explained it to me when he asked, I was, you know, I was in my twenties and I just hadn't thought of it this way. He's, he said, he just didn't believe it. He was Croatian and this, and stuff about the war was in the newspaper. And he said, I don't, none of that's true. Or you can see how the, the guns are really moving and whatever. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's hard enough for me to figure out what the newspaper is saying. And you're saying it's not, I have to read between the lines. Yeah, come on. And he said, it's just, I said, how do you know it's not true? And he said, well, how do you know this toothpaste fluoride in your toothpaste? And I said, he said, is there fluoride in your toothpaste? I said, yes, definitely. And he said, how do you know? 
And I said, well, and he said, because it says it on the label? <laughs> he said, yes. He said, so the guy who made it told you. I said, well, but then there are all these checks and balances where they would be in jail if they were lying to me about fluoride and the toothpaste. He's like, are you sure? So, so this first order assumption thing, when you do it, you are marginalized, called a kook, called a conspiracy theorist. But that's all I'm ever doing, really is just asking people. That's why I don't get hot when people tell me I'm wrong about stuff. I'm like, I- I'm positive you don't know why you're right because that would be an evidence and I wouldn't even be wasting my time trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing. Is that I this had guy... similar thoughts to that. That's that, that's the first way that I thought about it too was that's we question assumptions, but I don't think he's talking about the same thing that we are. That, that's, that was my – then I thought about some but more he... and I was wondering – I was. Curious if he's questioning like the First Amendment. We need to question yeah. the basic assumption of the First Amendment, Second Amendment. Yes, yeah, I want to. I want to re-listen to that. So okay. So he, but but like some of the assumptions that I would say we should question are is vote is voting valid, and and that wouldn't even require much of a conspiracy if you hear the guy who worked for the company that made the voting machines in the one county in Ohio that was going to decide the Kerry Bush election. And he said, just like the voter board of that little county, who's just a nobody, asked him in conjunction with the sales guy and his company or whatever, asked him to do it. So, like, for all we know, like four people in the whole world needed to know about that. Him, those two people and like Bush, (laughs) you know, or whoever. So very few people need to know about it. And you're but you are always massive reliance is on the assumptions. Yeah. That Absolutely. that things are working the way they should, or like when Shep Smith said that Putin killed three hundred people when MH seventeen went down over Ukraine, you assume that if you're saying something like that, you will be called upon it if it's wrong, and so you believe it. But that is the assumption that I, that's the fir- that is the assumption that I think should be questioned the most is that the systems that are in place to make sure that we can rely on assumptions. Do not operate, do not function, or don't assume that they are functioning. The checks and balances in the government, the media, the all of that. Because the media, like sports, are not required to be true or real. Yeah. That's been adjudicated. So it's not liable, or de- unless Putin sued Shep Smith for liable, and he might not even win. So anyway, keep going. Yeah, I want to hear it again. All right. So that's one thing. Second of all, for all of us, I think... Related to that is the challenge of not assuming anything. I mean, you, you can get up in the morning and assume that NATO and alliances and free trade are all good things. But then you have to realize that you're operating in a political environment now where many people do not. So I think for a lot of us in this business, part of the challenge of this time is to question, not embrace or assume first order uh, issues. And that things that we thought were settled one of the lessons I take of the last few years, that's accelerated in the last two years, is that much less is settled, much less can be assumed. And rather than simply saying this should be our policy towards this or that agreement, you may have to take a step back and explain the fundamentals uh, about why that is the uh, why that is uh, uh, so. Oh, I got something different out of it this time, and not the Constitution thing. Uh, and it it absolutely. I think supports, if not validates or confirms, but it supports my feeling that that 
Trump, one of Trump's roles is to vet, debug, de-louse, sheep dip even the establishment by discrediting and um, it's like what Gab, I think Gab AI runs the risk of being, or like when we heard the Wesley Clark clip over the, in the last show where he said we encouraged the Shias to revolt and then we did nothing as they got slaughtered. Like Gab, you, you put yourself out there. You identify yourself in the name of free speech or what WordPress did to me. Keep that picture up there. Keep it up there. You have a right to have that picture up there. And then I was slaughtered that, that if, if he felt that NATO and alliances and free trade were possibly in danger, particularly in Europe a few years ago, because that's where they have austerity. That's Europe was the thing that was politically unstable, not the United States. They created the instability here. But Europe, because they were trying to move towards the European Union, the debt was collapsing. People were protesting against austerity. It was in real trouble. And that's probably where the basic assumptions of like what what they call liberalism, uh, the new liberal order, neoliberalism, whatever, those assumptions were probably being battered in Europe. So what they wanted to do was completely discredit any kind of opposition by by enhancing the dysfunctional subculture, associating it with the ideas they don't like. And slaughtering it full on, hundred percent. Yeah, that's what I'm getting out of that. That, or I, I, that is what I think. That he is saying we need, because then he tells you what the answer is. It's to shore up the fundamentals. It's to reframe it. It's to make. It's to renew the brainwashing. Because in Europe, the more the successful people, just probably like here in New York and stuff like that the more successful people do not need reconditioning. They're conditioned perfectly. They, they, they see it as a just system. They think the new liberal order. And I mean that in their sense, that neoliberal thing is, is the way it should be. And underlying that is this basic assumption that the people are, you know, can't be trusted with elections. The elections are too important, but here, but, but their rabble weren't liking it. And, and if they can create a parallel thing here, they can kind of – because we never really embraced it the way their elites embraced it. So they, they were having this top and bottom, this polarization that they had to deal with. But we ha- were having like Ron Paul libertarianism. <laughs> so that that's a much worse problem for them than just auster- anti-austerity marches, which still validate the system. They're just demanding more from it. Here we were saying – we are still not on board with your neoliberal world order in this country. And they're like, okay, we need to recreate that the same dynamic here. The way I, w- I was investigating some of the stuff with Israel in the context of maybe Iran, and I came across these old articles, one from the Washington Post, I think one from the Wall Street Journal, maybe the New York Times, talking about how they were instrumental at least somewhat in uh, in creating or uh, supporting, fostering Hezbollah and Hamas because they found it was easier to deal with their conflict with the Palestinians in religious terms than it was to deal with the PLO, which was coming to the table on terms that the kind of neoliberal world order 
could be sympathetic to. So if you if you make the conflict something that seems irrational rather than is framed in in everybody's framing it all in the same terms you're going to i think be able to i think the goal is to really be able to totally discredit your opposition because they're not even speaking the same language. Yeah, so be more ex- be more extreme in your talking points. Is that fr- be more extreme well, that in the way that won, it's framed? You've won because the other person isn't accepting your paradigm, but the paradigm they're proposing is not a new one or an objectively valid one or universal one. It's a primitive one, an outdated one, a failed one, a flawed one, one that 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 has no promise whatsoever because it's it's tribal yeah i, I think that goes with what i was thinking like i, I, I oh think, yes i, I, yes, I, think, he's, actually, I yes. think he's talking yes. about questioning the first amendment yes you might be right i mean and i don't let I don't me get play another first, clip for you that goes get, with that oh well maybe but yeah i don't because the first amendment thing i'm not getting from here that i mean because he says and, you know, it's but interesting it, that he yeah. doesn't specifically say which ones he's talking about, and you can kind of hear him hesitate when he's when he's talking there. And, I, you know, I'm just – I'm speculating here, but this was on the record. This was not an off-the-record one. An mm-hmm. off-the-record one, I expect he probably would have been more specific. Well, it could – it might. It, the way the, the discussion it, was on the record, I mean, and they have off-the-record yeah. discussions yeah. as well. Uh, but this – it could – what I'm saying and what you're saying – and what Chernoff was saying about having a new legal architecture from Congress. So he really means it. It could dovetail. Let's hear the next clip. You've got essentially uh, the Internet, which among you know, is an un, it's, it's an unregulated medium. There's wonderful stuff there and there's terrible stuff there. There's no one who you know, on Twitter, you get your little check mark from 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 Jack. If you're if you're basically you. But on the internet, there's no check mark saying this is a responsible place that actually does serious research. So it's up to the individual who's swimming in that sea, in many cases, to figure out uh, what is accurate, what is what is serious, what is what 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 in a sense is 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 worthy of being taken seriously, and which is uh, not. So we're operating in that environment. We're competing with a lot of things. So they're competing uh, with people who are unworthy of having their uh, information well, taken seriously. <laughs> this reminds me absolutely of the article I wrote in November 2016 before the election called Teeing It Up for the Censorship President. Yeah. And can I read the Vern Jordan quote from this? Go ahead. Uh, it says – uh, Vern Jordan paralleled recent words of both President Obama and Mrs. Trump saying this, the great news institutions of the 20th century, print newspapers, the evening broadcast news, the trusted anchormen are fading relics in their place. We have unlimited information, unfiltered all the time. Yesterday's news institutions were far from perfect, but they served an important civic role. They served as filters of information, sorting out facts from lies and truth from innuendo. They gleaned the significant from the frivolous. 
People in the technology, media, and telecom industry must ensure that we are protected. We need to use technology's capacity to clearly and quickly delineate facts from lies, regardless of their source, and to develop media that requires civility and respect when people exchange opinions. And this was when it was pretty clear Hillary was going to win, or we all thought Hillary was going to win. It was coming from Obama, from Melania Trump, and from Vern Jordan, Clinton's guy, who I believe is a member of the CFR. Bilderberger. Bilderberger. All He's of probably these people also a member are of members of these. It's just huh? amazing they how all, all of these people come from these think tanks. So... uh so this and what Haas says about its in, internet as an unregulated medium is disingenuous. little check marks, yeah. It's disingenuous <laughs> because it's highly freaking regulated. You, yeah. I, I've been telling you about when I search on Google for stuff. So when I got purged from WordPress, my stuff got jumbled up, and sometimes I can't find it at all, even though it should be back on my new site, which it is. But it just it there's something wrong with, um. You know, I just can't search it the way I used to. So I'll I'll go to the internet to search for, like, the exact title or whatever. And when I go to, or like a quote I was looking for, I will, I can go to Google and the stuff is not there. But if oh, I go yeah. to yeah, DuckDuckGo, I mean... it comes up. I'm doing good searches, I know, because when I go to DuckDuckGo, what I'm looking for is first. That's happened to me two or three times in the past two weeks. Yeah. That it's unfindable on Google. Google, you can you can do a time search where you can control the parameters of the dates, and you can make it from like 2010 to 2014. And the reason you would want to do that is because you would want course, to block yeah. out all of the current news yeah, yeah, that's flooding course. it. But they 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 are so bad at this point that you have to manually subtract. Every word associated with all of the current stories about them from the dated search or all the current stories will still show up in the dated searches. Because the the way the reason that works, I've noticed that, is that all the pages of all those yeah. like favored news sources have headlines yeah. that corrupt it. And I remember highlighting when Google made the announcement – that their mo- mobile applications would no longer allow dated searches. So, and if yes, you, yeah, if you, I, yeah. If you go into advanced search and you manually put it in, or when I when I do it, it will kick it back. It'll take that that front end limitation off. You have to go back in and put it in manually a couple of times. And even then, you're right; it doesn't really work. So I use DuckDuckGo more and more now for as long as it lasts. But this guy was saying, oh, that's how I found out that Alexandria Ocasio, her story originally was just about being a waitress, not about being a bartender. And I put the search in to end when Austin, the Jeopardy winner, who was that quirky craft cocktail bartender from New York, was the big winner on Jeopardy. And he was very charming and he was shockingly smart and just such a down-to-earth guy, really relatable, but our, like, proletarian hero, that it was at that moment, before that moment, AOC's story was that she was a waitress. After that moment, it was that she was a bartender. Now, maybe a coincidence, but I did that search, and sometimes I find if you find what you're looking for, it's not confirmation bias. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> like, yeah. I was right. 
And the challenge, guy, though, is yeah. we got to search to try and prove ourselves wrong in order to prove ourselves right. I get how it works, but <laughs> in that search. I, I get what you're saying, though. It is very eer- eerie. AOC's yeah. story, yeah. You can't find any sir, any story that says her name and the word bartender prior to that moment. Same thing. She was from New York prior to around 2017. Oh, no. Around 2017, Bronx. she's the girl from the Bronx. Never, Sandy you can't the, find her associated with the Bronx. Yeah. So why is that guy calling Jack, the Twitter guy, Jack? Like he pro- They probably are roommates or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Maybe they're dating. Interesting. All right, so a couple more clips. We got about 15 minutes left. Okay. I want to hear the ethics thing. Yeah, we'll get to that one. There's a couple more Richard Haas ones that kind of all go with uh, the conversation. Oh, yeah. Here he's talking about the challenges – the challenges of communicating to the elites as well as us commoners. You know, in the past, they didn't worry as much about communicating to the commoners. But now they're trying to directly propagandize not only the elites, because the model, this was starting World War II, and some of the clips said this last week. At Bernays, he's talking about this all the time, was uh, go to the most influential people in town. Like uh, they talked about in the clip last week, you um, you want to infect everyone from the teachers, the preachers, everyone who has influence in their communities. Now it's also – we're going to get them, but we're also going to try and expand and directly reach the broader public, and this is what he's speaking on in this clip. When organizations like these were founded, they were very much elite. And now we're, we're operating in a context in which there's been the popularization, to some extent, of debate and policymaking. And part of the challenge, then, is how does one continue to be a voice that's listened to and respected and valued by the elites, at the same time you have a broader reach? And, and it's more than simply a distribution or dissemination or marketing challenge. And indeed, increasingly, we have multiple products and services which either assume or don't assume a degree of knowledge and familiarity with the field. What was the last thing? Assume or don't assume what? A, f- a familiarity, a familiarity with the field. So we're going to speak to the elites using our elite pretentious terms. We're going to oh. dumb it down right. and make it powerful emotional appeals. That's what he's Non-expert. talking about. Non-expert. Yeah, it may, they're talking about fitting propaganda into a tweet for for the commoners. Right. I mean, clearly they are talking about brainwashing and manipulating the lower classes. And he said, I just thought it was so I mean, that's what Trump does, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what, what they all does. do, really. It, especially but Trump with... is custom-made for that. And so is AOC. Yes, yes, yes. And Stacey Abrams, she can't pull it off. I mean, she's just too well Yeah, but they act like she can. It doesn't matter but what she does. The most, they act like she she is, she's, she's so patrician, she can't even laugh. I, I would say, though, she can pull it off when she's in her element. When she's she speaking as a preacher. Does she? Oh, absolutely. She does yeah, when, okay. she's a, when she speaks to a, like a, a group of activists. She is she is very, she's like Martin Luther King in the way she's like or like her mom in some of those clips she played. And she is great at it. But yeah, when she goes on CNN, she tones it down like she's a middle of the road type harmless person. So the person. stuff I'm exposed to is designed for me. There you go. Yeah, I've always noticed that. Like he just said it explicitly, but right. I have notes from five years ago saying, "Oh, the Atlantic is for the working rich." Bingo. He's talking about designing the specific messages for the different groups they're trying to influence. I just thought it was interesting how he said 
being able to communicate with the broader public while still being uh, um, relevant to the elites. You know, so you don't want the elites to think you're not relevant by all those dumb messages you're sending well, to the broader public. You know. Yeah, but they've got it all tied up. I don't think uh, they think that they're gonna. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're at any risk whatsoever of alienating the elites. Oh, I the think they fight take... amongst each. I think they're power hungry and they have an inner conflict. Yeah, but I, I, the, the world these guys are creating is a world where all the power and the money is at the top. So yes. everybody that they're appealing to is going to support that and they make my fight for who sits at the chair exactly which place at the table but they're that's why the the parties don't matter you know that's why they're all the same they're like well first and, and it's no, they matter because they're a device say it again they're a divide and conquer device they're a tool yes and and what irvin crystal says is the republicans have to get over their small government fetish because small government means no power. And what is the point of being in a party yeah. if you're not pursuing power? He says it. Yeah. He says that. Yeah. He says, so get over it. And the Republican Party has got to change. Take off the green eye shade. Forget about the budget. And go for the power. Yeah. So they're all on the it's same page. And they're all. <laughs> and if you look at the membership rosters of the CFR and Brookings, you can't. They're all uh, Republicans and Democrats. There's no. Yeah. You can't find the flavor. Okay, I got two more for you. This is the final Richard Haas clip, and this is a really interesting one because he admits he admits the truth, and nobody on it, these two final clips. It helps to see the reaction of everybody. Uh, I'll put the videos in the description. He admits it. He admits it's true. And nobody really seems to care all that much. I also think, and here think tanks or organizations have become part of the problem. Many of them have intellectually uh, committed themselves before they do their research. Hmm. In many places, you can only get hired or you can only get published if you toe a certain line. And I think that uh, is unfortunate, but again, it, it politicizes the, conver the conversation. And, you know, I know, you know, it's something that we fight, and we, we, we sort of feel that the analysis ought to lead to the prescription rather than vice versa. But I would say that is not universally uh, shared. So I would just say this is a much more politically uh, polarized, heightened uh, moment, much more competition, much less can be uh, assumed. That's complete BS, because he just said in the first clip you played, we can no longer make the first order assumption that NATO alliances <laughs> and free trade are a good thing yeah. and not, and he didn't say, so let's think about whether they are or not. He said, let's convince people. We have to reconvince people of those fundamentals. And he also talked earlier or in a clip last week about how he doesn't care what anybody who he uh, surveys when he surveys public opinion or he surveys people in government, how they feel, what they want. He doesn't care what they want. He's going to push his agenda anyway. And then he says this, but the pauses in there, I, I would like to hear what he would say about this in the closed session as opposed to the open session because I could you could feel him choosing his words, and I think it's probably because it's an open session. But he did say in there that not everybody – he said, I think – we think that perhaps – and he kind of says this because it, it feels like he's saying it because he has to. We, we feel obviously that the analysis should come before the prescription, but not everybody feels that way. 
So he, you know, he admits that not everybody feels that way. And he kind of admits that he doesn't really feel that way. Yes, in exactly. The he, he definitely doesn't feel that way. All right. Now, this is the clip about the ethics of it, right? Is That's the one you were asking about, right? The Brazilian guy. Yes. Yeah. He is talking about how, you know, they need to do what they do ethically. And he goes on to give an example of how of an unethical use of modern technology describing what he says is technology that already exists that something we're already capable of doing and i believe it it's just it's it's pretty interesting to hear him talk so frankly about it and when you see the video of this it's almost like the other three panel members kind of laugh when he says the ethical part. They don't overtly laugh, but they clearly don't have the same opinion about we need to be ethical about it as this guy does. When you look at the reactions on the faces of the other <laughs> panel members, they're like, oh, yeah, let's be ethical yeah. about uh-huh. it. Good one. Thanks. You Thanks square. for that. It's like, the, up, uh, yeah. it's like the legal disclaimer right. at the end of like the – Anti-depression medicine that causes suicide. It's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, it, it, even... they, right. They they react the equivalent of you know what somebody's buddy might react when they um, go, oh yeah, that's right, and they give the fake jerking off motion with their hand. Yeah, I agree with you, buddy. Let's do that. that that's kind of how I feel their reaction was to this guy saying this. And this is the Brazilian. He's the head of a Brazilian think tank. Carlos, I think it's very important although we want to reach people, that we do it in an ethical way, okay? Because nowadays there is enough technology, for example, for you to do the following. You are reading an article at the New York Times. Then at the time that you switch from one page to the next of the New York Times, 40 milliseconds, you identify what was the interest of a person and you put an advertisement on the next page of a think tank proposing an article that suits the interest of a person that was reading and tries to direct uh, uh, its uh, ideas. So I think that's a very unethical uh, if it's badly used. Uh, I think that one should pay a lot of attention. So we want to have an impact, but not at any cost. This is mm-hmm. very important. Did you hear one of them chuckle <laughs> yeah, at the end? Did you hear that? Yeah. He's like, what? What? Are you in the wrong room? Yeah. They, they, they can't the even tanks. help but chuckle. Yeah. We're the smart ones. You're not smart enough? But that, I mean, what he describes, I guess maybe he's describing reading something on a website. And I, I was actually picturing an augmented reality newspaper while he was describing that. But I guess it could also be you're reading one page of a website, and then they're collecting your data while you're doing that. And with 5G, we know it can be real time. And then you click on the next page, and you're already seeing an ad based on the data that was collected yeah, from figured, your your few, your few minutes on the website previous to that. Yeah, I figure that's what they do already. I mean, Of course I, they're going to do that. I, I told you about the time years ago. I went to the store. I was going to buy a bunch of stuff. At Nordstrom, and I put one shirt back. I said, I'm going to wait for this to go on sale. And then when I checked my email on my laptop at home two days later, that shirt in that color from that store was in my Yahoo Mail ad link. Yeah, I've noticed that more and more as well. I wasn't (laughs) on my computer. You know what I'm saying? You're you're just thinking it. 
It was super kooky. I did take a picture of the shirt so I could remember what yeah. exact shirt I wanted, but I took a picture of my photos. That's all. I don't know. Um, anyway, I'm just saying they obviously can do it, and they do do yeah. it. I don't even know what he thinks. I don't. I, I'm actually even wonder. I mean, it's buyer beware on that. It's got to be because that's like saying. We need to make sure we use these invisibility cloaks ethically. <laughs> exactly. And nobody's he using German it. Doesn't, to even me. if you're, yeah. He doesn't sound Brazilian. It sounds German to me. Even Maybe if you're the best Francis. person in the world and you have an in, invisibility cloak and nobody else has it, you're going to be tempted into, you know, sneaking up and seeing what one of your exes is doing or something like I'll that. I'll tell you. you know? I'll tell you. The idea that they are going to suggest. That they use it ethically. Is I know more that, that's preposterous. That's what. I, that's what. No, I'm but it's saying, more yeah. dangerous than admitting that they don't use it ethically. Because right now, all ads to me are. I don't. I have never once like waited for the ad to finish on YouTube. I never click on ads. Yeah, me either. I have been absolutely programmed since I was a kid. Never pay attention to ads. <clears throat> They're definitely not giving you information. If it's something you were looking for that was hard to find, okay, that's it. But that that when they start telling you, like, we have the FDA, we are going to screen the drugs for you, you never tell the, care the difference between CVS or Rite Aid. You don't care about what bank you go to because the government guarantees it. As soon as, as, soon as you're left with the impression that somebody else is watching out for you, you become much more vulnerable. And I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Wrap it up. I'll take it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone who has donated and who has shared the show, who has left nice comments. We, we've gotten some great comments. Uh, thank you so much. I don't know if I can. I don't know if you can even feel or if I can express how much we appreciate it. We, we really do. And anybody who wants to help, you can donate via PayPal or become a Patreon. You can share the show. You can email it to your friends. You can leave a comment on iTunes. You can give us a rating on iTunes. We appreciate all support. And Monica, any last words? Yep. Come visit us on thepropreport.com. We've got a forum going. It's called The Pool. Take a deep dive. Just dip a toe, whatever you want. You we go. actually have a forum for supporters. So we can... Uh, you can. We'll have to think of some like special features for supporters, Binkley. Maybe yes, be uh, we, I've been brainstorming that as we're we're we're, we're improving with our our uh, system, I guess. Right, and we we're have super cool uh, logos and stuff. And I'm gonna have T-shirts made. Maybe oh, we can yeah, and and foster the cause with some awesome T-shirts. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. I'm excited about that. And maybe some coffee mugs. I have a question. <laughs> of course, you would want coffee mugs for yes. people listening. Uh, we're going to do interviews, and we have some people that we already um, ha- are considering interviewing, uh, but we're going we're gonna to add that as we learn how to do it. And who would you like to see interviewed? What types of people? I'd be interested in knowing what right, come to the forum to for that yeah. and communicate on grab bag or uh, – We can start a – Do it. Yeah, okay, cool. Bring it on. All right. All right, guys. See Thank you, you later. Later.